0: Well, good morning, have any of you guys ever heard of Sasquatch cookies, you guys familiar with that, some fans, yeah, really good cookies, right, one of the things that makes Sasquatch cookies maybe more well known than just the cookies is that you can have a costumed Bigfoot Yeti Sasquatch show up with a box of cookies, you can have them delivered to anyone you want, like a loved one or a friend or a stranger, just to kind of confuse them. And so we were talking about this the other day. I've personally had the cookies. I like the cookies. I've never experienced the Yeti's arrival. Um, but uh, Susie was telling us how for Matt's birthday this year, she sent a Sasquatch to his place of work with a box of cookies. And I said, well, you got to show us a picture. <laughs> and here's, here's Matt with the, the, the Sasquatch who, who needs to eat some more cookies. That's the, the smallest Bigfoot I've ever seen. Um... And I don't know what's going on with the shoe underneath the costume, like it's kind of seen better days. But so this is funny for a lot of reasons. One of the things that makes this story even better though is the in the left picture, there's a small emblem above Matt's head. Do you guys notice that? It is uh, the VA, which is a U.S. government building, Um, and as is true of all U.S. government buildings, has quite a bit of security, which makes sense for the VA. Well, apparently, uh, the Sasquatch showed up and tried to get up to Matt's uh, floor to deliver the cookies, and oddly was stopped at security. And, you know, the Sasquatch did not give a lot of details of why he was there, uh, and so was forced to stay outside, and security came up and got Matt on the seventh floor and said, hey, listen, there's some guy in a like gorilla costume that wants to talk to you and he won't leave. No mention of cookies, no mention of a Sasquatch. Maybe he would have put that together. It was a gorilla, a guy in a gorilla suit that wanted to talk to Matt. And Matt's like, no thanks, I'm good. (laughs) And so he eventually went down with security and was delighted to discover that it was not in fact a strange man in a gorilla suit, but a friendly Yeti with a box of cookies from his wife wishing him happy birthday. Oh, man. You know, the thing about a costume Yeti showing up at your place of work and getting stuck at security is at that point, the cookies, total afterthought, right? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, and also here are some cookies. Like, it completely overshadows, like, that experience completely overshadows the delivery of of the cookies. And after the Yeti shows up and and dances, tells a joke, takes an ussy, like, what do do Yetis do? Um, Like, The cookies are totally an afterthought. And I think there's a warning for for us in that today. Um, It totally connects to the story that we're going to read. But we're continuing in our very odd, miraculous uh, Christmas series. And Jonathan shared something last week that I thought was so good that just is worth saying again. It's that sometimes we can be so familiar with the story of God, with the story of Christmas, that we totally miss it. Isn't that true? I think this morning there's kind of two possible ways that we could miss it if, if we're not careful. And, and I believe that God has something for you here this morning. But I, I just want to warn you, I think there's two ways that we could miss it. On one end, you know, the, the parts there are parts of the story that we're going to read this morning that are so remarkable. I mean, so incredibly awe-inspiring that they can totally overshadow the message. Like we can be so surprised by the Yeti that we miss the cookies, so to speak. On the other side, I think the familiarity with the story, you know, one of the costs of familiarity is that it can kind of numb us. It can kind of disconnect us from the story. And I feel that sometimes with the Christmas story, a little bit disconnected, a little maybe set apart from it. But I love this season. I enjoy like this time. So my prayer for this morning is just that we would see and be amazed by the story, maybe in a new way and that God would break through our familiarity so we don't miss this. Christmas is a story for all people, but it's also a story that is just for you. And so as I read through this uh, part of the story that we're going to read in Luke 2 again and again, there's this one small phrase, this simple phrase and idea that I just could not escape from. And it's helped me to reconnect with the story. It's helped me to reconnect with the good news that the angels bring. And so I I can't wait to share it with you. So before I give it all away, you can open your Bibles to Luke 2. Uh, We're going to begin in verse 8. And we're going to read the most famous Christmas passage of all. In fact, if you close your eyes as I read it, you can almost hear Linus' voice from Charlie Brown. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When was the last time you really imagined the story, kind of pictured the scene? I'm not talking about your neighbor's blow-up inflatable nativity or your kid's Christmas pageant, but really just imagine what this would have been like, you know, the moment it happened. There's this group of shepherds, they're alone in a field, Darkness all around them, keeping watch over their flock, maybe the small light of a campfire. And suddenly, it says, the glory of the Lord shines brightly around them, illuminating the dark. So this light burst forth, and in the midst of this light, this disorienting light, an angel appears and begins speaking. Like, of course they were afraid, right? Like, this is a very odd, uh, I mean, miraculous moment. And it's supernatural and it, and it is miraculous that this angel appears. But what happens next is even more remarkable to me. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Now, an, an angel appearing with a, a miraculous like message. Like it is incredible, but we see even in the Christmas story that that's happened several times, and we see in Scripture how God would send angels to deliver news. What's so remarkable to me here is that this is one of the very few examples we have of a multitude of angels appearing. Have you ever noticed that? Like we don't know for sure how many a multitude is. Like Revelation speaks to the existence of of millions of angels. And so we don't know, did they all appear at once, like millions of angels in this field? Or was it just a a lot of them, like a ton of them? Um, We're not sure. But as the first angel finished his announcement, he declares this good news of great joy suddenly, as if to testify to its validity and truth, the field and sky where the shepherds were lit up. Everywhere they looked, there were angels. They saw all the angels that they could see. And it was brighter, the light was even brighter. And those angels in chorus begin to shout and sing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased. I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like? Already in the darkness of night, that that one light of the angel would have been so disorienting. Now imagine everywhere you look, angels up in the sky, around in the field, the light illuminating and the reverberating chorus as they begin to sing in unison. And then something to me even odder happens. Like the angels just leave. They disappear. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them, into heaven the angels leave and return to heaven it's odd to me because i think our nativity set like often has the angel present at the scene but god chose a great multitude of angels to announce this incredible moment of human history to a group of shepherds in a field and then the angels just disappear they don't go on a world tour like continuing to appear to people and to announce christ's birth like that would like this announcement i feel like he would have deserved that, right? Like these angels would continue to go around and just appear to people. He's come, he's come. The angels don't even accompany the shepherds as they go to find Mary and Joseph and the baby. We don't see any evidence of that here. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, what the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So the angels returned to heaven, and then these ordinary everyday shepherds jump into action, so moved by the message that it says they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby just as the angel had described. And these shepherds They become the first evangelists. They become the unlikely heralds of this incredible news. And it's beautiful to me like that these shepherds just went. They went with haste to see, to experience, to be present in the miracle of the moment. But God could have sent a multitude of of angels to Mary and Joseph to declare the news. He could have had them go around the world and to announce it. No, God could have had religious leaders go to Mary and Joseph who knew the prophecies and could explain what it all meant. But he didn't. He could have had respected people whose testimony, like influential people whose, whose testimony would be respected go and, and, and be the ones to share the news. But he didn't. He entrusts these few ordinary shepherds with the most incredible announcement in human history the arrival of the hope of the world. And they get to bring that news to Mary and to Joseph and to the rest of the world. What's surprising to me is, is that even after experiencing this sort of Yeti moment, right, with the multitude of angels, the shepherds aren't caught up in all that. You know, it wasn't the angel's appearance that moved the shepherds to action You know, in fact, the angels' first words are do not fear. They speak to the fear that their presence, their arrival brought. It was the words of the angels that so moved the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What was this good news of great joy? A Savior is born unto you who is Christ the Lord. The angel appears and says, a Savior is born is born to you, who is Messiah God, Christ the Lord. The hope of endless ages was about to be fulfilled within the lifespan of a real person. And that is why the shepherds went with haste, why they couldn't stop talking about it to anyone who would listen. So the shepherds, they start telling everyone, okay? They're they're heading out, they're telling everyone about what they saw and heard. And in verse 18, it says, And all who heard it, who heard the the words of the shepherds, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And so the message begins to spread. And there's all these different reactions to Christ's birth, as they start to tell everyone about it. All who heard it, it says wondered, but everyone in the story, they receive this new revelation of who God is and what he's about, and each of them respond differently. The angels worship, the shepherds offer praise, they tell everyone, they can't contain it. Some hear and they're amazed, but they don't engage with it on any deeper level. But it's Mary. It's Mary's response that is so striking to me. It says she treasures up all these things in her heart and she ponders. The shepherds tell her, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And her response to those words is to treasure them and ponder them. In this big, exciting announcement, likely holding the Savior in her arms, Mary decides to silently bring it all together in her mind. To hold the words of the shepherds, to wrestle and spend time with those words. Mary meditates on the significance of the event. I mean, it's a curious response to me. Like, I would have had so many questions. There'd been so much that I would have sought to kind of understand in the moment. But Mary does something different. Like, I wonder, do you know how to ponder? Like, I admit that it's kind of a funny word that we don't use a lot, but, but pondering, it's, it's not just reflecting or considering. Um, it's not just a, a head thing that we do on a surface level where we think about something that's happening. Pondering is, uh, is deeper. It's this place where our head and our heart meet and it's about the awareness it's a place that we sit with our questions and our deep feeling and our longing you know pondering it's not so much about coming to a conclusion or even driving an action it's it's sitting in those questions and those feeling and allowing the holy spirit space to lead and direct us you know pondering it it can change the way we see god it can change the way we see ourselves it can change the way we we see and interact with the world around us, but it's a deeper place. And I think some of you are probably more naturally wired to ponder. Like I, I do think that, that it comes easier for some. I'll be honest and say that it is not something that comes very naturally to me. Um, I'm an Enneagram type three. I like to just get things done and, and prize the efficiency of just moving. And, and so the idea of sitting for a moment um, and not moving straight to action, but kind of waiting and, and being patient and inviting God, being curious about, about something is harder for me. It's something that's taken a lot of work. Um, but I think that uh, even if that's something that's more natural for you, that contemplative response is not something that uh, is, is very practiced or familiar in our culture, right? Couldn't we say that Fairly. Um, and I think, especially in, in the fast-paced frenzy of this season and the holidays and all of the busyness and, and activity, that idea of of slowing down and just pondering uh, can feel even more elusive. And I, I wonder, as I, I spent time with this with the text, just what it would have looked like for Mary to ponder and to treasure those words in the moment. Have you thought about that? Like we we know from the story that an angel had appeared to Mary earlier, had told her that she would be the mother of Jesus. But then imagine the pregnancy and the travel and all the relational strains with Joseph and family because of her pregnancy, all that was happening in her mind and body and, you know, 10 months have passed now. Could it possibly be true? Maybe I heard wrong. The long awaited Savior, my baby? And then, in the pain and the joy of childbirth, when the child finally comes, these men show up out of nowhere and tell the most incredible story how the sky filled with more angels than they could ever see. And they begin worshiping and singing and declaring that this child, Mary's child, was the hope of the world the promised Messiah. All the longing and the hope in Mary confirmed and affirmed in these strangers. She pondered. She treasured their words. They spoke to the deep longings and questions inside her. And they brought her peace, began to form her. And you can bet that their words brought new questions, right? If these words are true, then what does it mean? What is my part in the rest of this story? In Mary's joy, she wrestles and wonders and chews on the meaning of it all as she stares into the baby in her arms. You know, the words that the angels and then the shepherds spoke, they were good news of great joy for all people. But Mary treasured them, understanding they were also just for her. And you and I were part of this story, and it may land differently than it did for Mary. But these words are also just for you, and they're just for me. You know, a few years I got a a few years ago, I got the chance to experience my first sabbatical, Uh, and during the three months that I spent away from just the regular rhythm of work and ministry, um, I spent some intentional time in spiritual direction. Um, resting and reflecting and just kind of wrestling through parts of my story and my life. And there was space and time for regular pondering in that season. And as a result, so much happened deep in me, deep in my heart in just a really short period of time. Um, Things that truly like deeply formed and reoriented me. Uh, and I remember feeling just this internal pressure as I, as I returned to share it, to, to sort of demonstrate like what had happened or explain what God did uh, during that time. And I struggled to do it. I struggled to find words to really, like, this is it. This is what God kind of formed in me, what he did. And as I was wrestling through it, I, I feel like God just clearly affirmed for me that the time was just for me. Like it was just for me to treasure It was just for me to store up it was a gift from him just for me to heal and to revive and it wasn't meant to be given away to anyone else i think this is where pondering sets itself apart from just reflection or some of these other things it's personal and it's intimate and it's not for others like it forms us in ways that others benefit from for sure it it changes us but it's work that God invites us to do just with him. And it's because of that that we treasure it. It's precious and special and just for us. And Mary knew that these words were for all people. And Mary also knew that these words were just for her. So all the different reactions to the announcement of Christ's birth, uh, like they make sense to me. Um, the shepherds, you know, they couldn't contain it. It was too big and wonderful. They had to tell everyone that they met. Um, but, but you think about the scene like, w- in the moment where the angels left and they're left again in darkness in the field, like, the shepherds could have just stood in awe. Like, they, they could have talked about it and been like, man, wasn't that wild? But there was something that happened. They were so moved to action that they became the most unlikely messengers of this announcement to the rest of the world. They went with haste right away to see, to experience, to be present. And they got to experience the joy of being used by God in such an incredible way. The worship, the awe, the wondering. Could this really be the Messiah we've waited for? But it's Mary, it's Mary who models something for us that is so often missing in this season, right? At least it is for me. She sits in the story. She ponders what's happening. She treasures and receives the words of the angel as just for her, and she invites us to do the same. Not just to accept the familiar story of Christmas, not just to be numb, disconnected, distracted by the Yeti, but in the midst of the busyness, of the pace, the demands of the season, to slow down for just a minute, to be curious, and to ask some questions. And I wonder if we could do that together this morning. Uh, As I thought about this, I I thought um, one of the things that might feel like a gift is just some space to ponder. Like you're here, you've carved out some time, and how I want to land the plane this morning is just to give a few moments to ponder together. And I don't just mean to reflect or consider sometimes you know, I, I love times of reflection, um, but sometimes when I'm left to my own with just some questions, my mind just wanders. it's really hard to kind of to go anywhere with it. And so there's a a process that happens often in spiritual direction that It's felt like a gift to me when I just kind of follow someone's voice or I am led into a moment uh, where I get to just sit and be present. I don't have to worry about what I'm thinking about or what I need to tune out and I can just be there. And so I wanted to uh, lead us in a moment of pondering this morning. Um, And I recognize that that might feel maybe a little bit awkward or uncomfortable to you. And so um, I I am asking for your trust uh, just for a few moments your openness to kind of experience something that's a little bit different. Uh, But I also just wanna say, if that feels like too much for you right now, um, or or you're just not ready for that, that is completely okay. I just ask you to kind of sit quietly in the moment with us. And so would you take a moment, if you're willing, just to close your eyes. Um, We're gonna begin in silence for a minute, and then I wanna pray, and and I wanna just lead you, if you just follow my voice, through a, a moment of pondering. Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead us. Would you direct our hearts and our minds as we ponder? Imagine the multitude of angels in the field appearing to the shepherds. Now imagine yourself standing in that field in place of the shepherds, the angel speaking directly to you. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord Messiah God a Savior is born to you for you where in your life right now Are you in need of a savior? Where have you been longing and waiting to be free? Christmas we celebrate that the hope of endless ages Jesus has come and is coming again Fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. How is the announcement of the angels, the testimony of the shepherds, these words, good news of great joy just for you? God, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your direction and leading, for your great love for us. Thank you for leading us as we ponder.